Welcome back to Wrap Your Head Around This. My name is JBS, and today we're going to be talking about logic. We're going to be talking about his journey, his career, how he got from being unknown to his retirement that he recently announced, as well as talking about his albums and giving my own personal ranking on what I think are his best albums. Today, it's only going to be a solo podcast. Let me know how you guys like it. If you hate my voice and are bored, we'll get more people on it. If you like it and you're interested, I'll do a few more. So, without further ado, let's get into Logic. So, for those of you who don't know, Logic is a rapper, he's a singer, songwriter, producer, streamer, and author. He is extremely successful in the mainstream. He's got five projects that's reached the top five in the Billboard 200. He's got three number one projects, and he sold a lot of units for each of those projects. In order to understand his music journey, we really need to understand his background and how he grew up. His background is inexplicably tied to his music, to his identity, to his beliefs, and all these aspects show up in all of his music and resonate especially in his best music. So let's start from the beginning, the very, very beginning. He was born in 1990 as Sir Robert Bryson Hall II, and he grew up in Gaithersburg, Maryland. He had a really rough family life when he grew up. He lived in Section 8 housing. His dad was addicted to crack. His mom was an alcoholic. He had seven half-siblings, and you know, a few of them were in gangs. One of his brothers actually sold crack to his dad. He even recounted a tale about how his mom um, strangled him as a kid, which is just, you know, just awful, awful stuff. Now, at 15, he was kicked out of high school, and at 17, he was kicked out at home, and he was eventually working just two jobs and working on music, trying to make ends meet. He eventually ended up staying in his friend Big Lenbo's house, which you might know him as a feature on some of his songs and his albums. And his family said, look, you got one year to get your act together, otherwise you're out. So in that year, he just focused exclusively on music, put everything into it, and eventually got signed into Def Jam. And his friend Lembo, he was a land surveyor for 12 years. He quit his job, and then he and Logic moved out, and they got their own house. Logic really first got into hip-hop at a kind of a young age, kind of in his you know late middle school, early high school days. And it was really after watching Kill Bill, because that entire soundtrack was produced by RZA, who was a member of the Wu-Tang. And another big influence was his mentor. He had a mentor named Solomon Taylor. And his mentor kind of guided him on how to be a rapper, gave him his influences, who to check out, who to listen to, and eventually really what his name should be. His mentor said, your name should be something that you identify with personally. And that really speaks to what your whole rap and your music is going to be about. And that's when, at the time, he chose the name Psychological. And he chose Psychological because he wanted people to think about his music. He wanted that effect in his bars and in his rhymes and in his artwork. And under the name Psychological, he released his first mixtape in 2009 when he was 19. It was called Logic, the mixtape. And... After that, he shortened Psychological just to Logic, just because Psychological is a little bit too long. So I see Logic's music career kind of broken up into four phases, I'd say. Maybe three. 
he had his mixtape days from about 2010 to 2013. He had his early album days, which is from 2014 to 2016. He had his mainstream appeal from 2017 to 2019. And finally, his fourth phase, which I kind of think of as his uh, hiatus phase from 2019 to 2020 when he announced his retirement. You can combine maybe phases three and four if you want to, but they do feel like separate arcs in his musical journey, so I'll leave them separate. Now let's start with his mixtape days. He released his first mixtape as Logic called Young, Broken, Infamous in 2010. And this mixtape caught the attention of Visionary Music Group, which was an independent label that you know promotes these local artists. And he joined Visionary Music Group, which was a great platform that allowed him to promote his music, distribute his music, get some awareness about who he is, talk to some more people in the industry, and so on. Now in 2011, he released his second mixtape under Logic called Young Sinatra, and that had the song slash video All I Do, which became one of his really, really big hits, and that was a song that really put him on the map. The video is really, really iconic with Logic in the University of Maryland College. He's rapping this car. He's got this big green random mascot dude just chilling there. And it's just him rapping classy over a classic beat and really just prime mixtape Logic at its finest. Now, in 2012, he released the second of the Young Sinatra series, which was Young Sinatra Undeniable, where he really kind of grew a little bit more as an artist he had a bit more song diversity. He really focused on, you know, the rap about a girl kind of song a bit more. He fleshed that out. He was addressing some more personal topics like talking about his mom, his family, and, you know, other things in his past. While still keeping that variety, he still has the um, the classic, you know, rap over boom bap stuff, the classy flows, the more disgusting 90s aggressive era hip hop flows, and so on. Now, 2013 was a really big year for Logic. First, he signed with Def Jam, and that was allowed him again, get out of the basement, get out of the house, starting some money, and have a label that backs your music. The second is he was an XSL freshman at 2013, and that was a huge freshman class, by the way. You have people like Travis Scott, Joey Badass, Schoolboy Q, Absol, Dizzy Wright, Action Bronson, like crazy, crazy XXL freshman class. And both of those things preceded his final project of his mixtape days, which was Young Sinatra Welcome to Forever. And this project, you could really notice the growth compared to all his other mixtapes. His voice was much more realized. His singing was better. His hooks were better. The production was better. It wasn't as sample reliant. He got a lot of, he got a lot more producers to produce tracks rather than focusing on heavy sampling to create the vibe that his album is going for. Now in 2014 is when we begin his early album days. And in 2014 is when he released Under Pressure. And Under Pressure was his debut album under Def Jam, first major album as an artist, and overall did quite well despite not really having the promotion and the backing that Def Jam really promised. Logic had some issues with Def Jam not really, you know, promoting, advertising, marketing the record like he thought it would. And, you know, it's in the past now, but 
at the time, there were definitely some issues. And under pressure, they're pretty well for the first week, honestly, considering this is a guy who has a strong fan base, a really strong hardcore fan base from his mixtape days. And it debuted at number four, selling about 75K on the first week. Under Pressure was focusing exclusively on Logic's past, his upbringing, and how that upbringing got to where he was now. The whole album is him being under pressure, not just as Logic, but as himself, as Bobby, and how those two sides really kind of interfere and battle with each other. In 2015, he released his sophomore album, The Incredible True Story, which was this sci-fi space album that had a narrative theme in the background while Logic is doing all his rapping. And essentially, you have two people in space who are the last humans, and they're in search for the last planet that can sustain humanity. And while they're on this epic adventure to find that planet, they're just throwing on some oldies, a.k.a. Logic. And The Incredible True Story is that album that they play in the background. So very creative idea about how he wants his album to be heard and creating this fictional narrative that connects his previous album with this album as well as his future albums. Now in 2015, he also married singer Jessica Andrea and Jessica was featured in a few of his songs and his videos. She was in I'm Gone from Under Pressure. She was on the song Confess on his third album, Everybody. You can see her in the video of Black Spider-Man. And she's also in the cover of Bobby Tarantino 2. So she's in a few different places. And this was a big, big moment in his life because he really, you know, involved his wife in his music and in his artistic endeavors. In 2016, he released Bobby Tarantino 1, which was kind of this fun trap surprise mixtape. Debuted at number 12, selling 19,000 units the first week. And it was just kind of a hold me over until his third album. He had a little bit of a teaser in one song, Studio Night, Studio Ambience at Malibu, that teased one of the tracks on everybody. And fun, short, sweet, really just a hold over again until that third album. Now, in 2017 was when he dropped the third album, Everybody, which was his first Billboard number one sold 247k the first week but also dropped a lot in the second week dropped 96 percent that second week and in everybody he was really focusing themes on, on his biraciality his politics his mental health and more he talked about his biraciality previously but it was very sparse maybe one song on most albums maybe two or three i think on welcome to forever so this was really the album where he wanted to project that out into the world and an important thing with everybody was that it was really the first album that had sort of a mixed reception from his fans and his wider audience in his entire years you know if you're a fan they all really liked all the stuff that he was dropping there was never really any area of conflict everybody was the first time in his musical journey where he faced that adversity not only from people who didn't know him from a mainstream but also people who were in his fan base. And it was a very polarizing album at the time. For people who were Logic fans, some of them did not become Logic fans anymore after that album. For some people who were Logic fans, they were maybe confused, maybe they wanted to like the album, but didn't know if they should like the album. 
there was just a lot of, you know, hodgepodge and mixed feelings, no pun intended, about this project. In 2018, he dropped Bobby Tarantino 2, which was the sequel to Bobby Tarantino 1. Similar fun, trap, surprise, mixtape. And that also debuted at number one, making that its second Billboard number one, selling 119K units the first week. And around this time, too, was when he got divorced from his wife, Jessica. Uh, it was nothing really, you know, bad or awful or anything. I think they just realized that they were not the right fit for each other. And they're still, you know, cool, good friends to this day. Bob Tarantino, too was a bit of a holdover, but also we weren't exactly sure what to expect. Considering at the end of everybody, Logic said that his last, his next album would be his last album. But we didn't really have any timeline for when that was coming. We just knew that it was eventually coming. We thought maybe the next year, Bobby Tarantino being a holdover, just like Bobby Tarantino 1, also being a holdover for everybody, maybe that project would come in 2019. However, later in 2018, he announced that he would drop Young Sinatra 4, the final installment to the Young Sinatra series that he had created in his mixtape days. And when he dropped Young Sinatra, debuted at number 2, selling 122k the first week. And this featured Logic over just some classy boom bap production, some cool features from Wale, Ryan Tedder, and, well, Ryan Tedder, I don't think was a cool feature, but he was a feature, I guess. We'll get more into that later. But it just returned to form for a lot of people. Um, in my opinion, and maybe the opinion of some others, it did feel very forced. A lot of people, after everybody, Bob Tarantino 2, just really wanted the quote-unquote old logic back. The guy who would rap on the mixtapes, the mixtape, and would just rap and rap and rap and rap. And that was his forte. So to me, it really felt like Young Sinatra 4, it was a response to all that criticism saying, hey, I can still rap. I can still do this. Um, I'm just want to explore my own different taste and genre. I don't want to be put in that box that you guys are trying to put me in because that's a box that I may have started in, but not a box that I want to stay in. Now, after Young Sinatra 4 in 2019, he dropped two projects very, very close to each other. I believe the first was the Supermarket soundtrack. Now, this soundtrack is supposed to accompany the book of the same name. Now, Logic is writing the Supermarket book, which was end up being actually a New York Times number one bestseller. The book talks about the character Flynn, who works at a supermarket and then walks into a crime scene one day and how that changes his life. It's a dark, comedy, psychological thriller. Now, the soundtrack is a very sharp departure from rap. The soundtrack is really alt-rock. And Logic gets you know, features from Judo. He gets some production from Mac DeMarco. And he's really going for a completely different sound and different character on this project. Both the soundtrack and the book were met with mixed critical acclaim, mixed to bad, really. A lot of the critics of the soundtrack were just saying how it was too derivative of projects, or sorry, other artists like Mac DeMarco, who were more unique and well-known in the alt-rock, and Logic would just kind of 
taking that and really just putting his own spin on it. And unfortunately, it was not a very well-met spin. The soundtrack debuted at number 56 on the Billboard charts and selling about 12,000 copies that first week. Now, only about a month later, he released Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. And that also debuted at number one, selling 80K copies the first week. But that was also met with a lot of mixed to poor reviews, even from his own fan base. And these two back-to-back negative mixed reception reviews on his projects really just put Logic probably in his worst artistic hole at the time. At least with everybody, there was some merit in his production that he was doing something new. He d- he was memed, which memes can be good or bad, but they always make you famous. But with Confessions and Supermarket, it was really just the lowest of the low. Like, he really could not go any lower from here. In the eyes of his fans, in the eyes of critics, and in the eyes of really just the music community in general. And it was after that time where he took his hiatus from music, from social media, and just from the world in general. And there are a few different reasons why he took this hiatus. The first and probably the most important is his mental health. He was just not having a good time going on social media. It was just straining to him, seeing all the hate comments, seeing all the like comments, and both sets of comments being too good or too bad isn't really helpful as an artist or just stuff that you really want to try to block because if they're too bad they're going to keep bringing you down if they're too good they might be pushing stuff that is not artistically good really just a giant community yes man in a way so that was the first reason he really checked out from social media and from the world now the second reason is his marriage and his fatherhood he married Brittany Noel in 2019 and they have a son who I think just on social media is called Little Bobby. I'm not sure if that's his official name, but he is and will be referred to as Little Bobby for the remainder of this podcast. And Logic didn't really announce his family or his private stuff until he announced No Pressure, his final studio album. And No Pressure was Logic's return to the top in terms of his musical capability and maybe even a higher peak which still remains to be seen given how the album's only been out for a little over a week but nevertheless it's Logic returning to his roots but with a new twist a new sense of authenticity a new sense of purpose and drive and passion and happiness that he didn't really have on his previous honestly I'd say three projects since really Bob and Tarantino too So that is Logic's artistic journey, how he got from really being a no one to being someone so high, but also so hated at the same time, and how he dipped, and then how he bounced back by really returning to this true version of himself. Now, before we get into his discography, I want to talk about Logic overall as an artist and what he brings to the table in both the rap and the music world. So if I had to break down Logic's style in one word, it would be variety. From day one, from mixtape one, from even his psychological mixtape, he wants to do a little bit of everything on his albums. 
And especially in his mixtape days, you see he has kind of the classy, cool cat logic flow. He has his aggressive kind of cutthroat 90s flow. He has, you know, the song about a girl. He's got the hype song. Um, He's got kind of the personal song. And he kind of repeats that formula on his mixtapes. And it just gets more and more refined. In his albums and later in discography, he can rap over a variety of beats. He can rap over trap beats, boom bap beats, some kind of more aggressive hip hop stuff, some pop rap beats. And he does really come into his own as a producer. I'd say, you know, 2015 and onwards from the Incredible Juice story, from everybody on no pressure. Um, I don't really consider the mixtapes like Young Sinatra 4 and Confessions really production highlights. They're just kind of whatever. Same with Bob Tarantino too. There's some cool beats, but those are not production highlights. Those didn't take him a year to orchestrate. Those are easy beats for him and Six and other people in his in-house production to create and master and put out. His flow is very, very smooth. It's very versatile. Again, just to fit the production, he has his boom bap flow, he has a trap flow, he's kind of at that slow down singing flow when he's talking about a girl. He's got an aggressive flow, like on the song 44 More, that cutthroat deep flow, like on No Biggie and Disgusting, and then a kind of a personal pained, you know, introspective flow and delivery on songs like Dark Place and Dear God. On the right beat, he can just sound smooth buttery and just really effortless as he delivers these bars with this laid-back classy confidence i kind of put him in this spectrum kind of between a kendrick and a drake where drake has this amazing versatility but more in a pop sphere or maybe a pop rap sphere whereas kendrick can really just get rapidly rapid in a story way with all these alliterations, multisyllabic rhymes, multi-phrase rhymes, to use that to craft a song. But his voice is very distinct and can be very odd and unusual, especially on projects like The Pimp a Butterfly, which to create a uniqueness and an almost an eccentricity about him. And Logic can combine that more hardcore, classic rapping style with the smoothness and the vocal delivery of maybe like a Drake. And that's kind of his happy medium. His lyricism is good. I think he's a notch below the really, really great lyricists. He has these multisyllabic rhymes, internal rhyme schemes. He can use punchline bars, slant rhymes. He's very, very technical with his delivery and flow, like on songs 100 Mile and Running, on gang-related. He has a good mix of, you know, these simple one-liners, but also some really interesting complex bars, too. He can get personal on songs like Under Pressure, Gang-Related, Dark Place, Dear God, Mixed Feelings, 44 Bars. He also has story songs like Street Dreams 1 and Street Dreams 2. He can get metaphorical like on the second half of Young Sinatra 4. And he does address social criticisms on the verse on City of Stars, as well as the song America. He makes a lot of references 
to a lot of different media that he likes, whether it be movies, games, other artists, and other references to 90s and 2000 music, especially in his production. A lot of references there to artists like Erica Badu, Outkast, Tribe, Roots, as well as some contemporary artists, people like Wale, especially in his mixtape days, a lot of Wale songs, Kanye, Kendrick, Drake, and so on. Now, what keeps him from being one of the greats is that he doesn't take this really, really solid toolbox and do something super out there with it, right? Where people like Kendrick and Cole, they kind of create these very cohesive story, in-depth albums. And while does Logic does do that on albums like Under Pressure, artists like Kendrick do do it to a whole new heights on albums like Good Kid, Mad City because they paint such a vivid and cohesive story where Under Pressure is a bit more of a loose narrative with kind of clips and ideas from his past that you put together yourself rather than following logic through a step-by-step, chapter-by-chapter, page-by-page journey that Good Kid Med City does. Other artists go into more of a wordsmith, lyrical approach like MF Doom, who doesn't really have the story book narrative that a Kendrick does, but just has the most insane rhyme schemes where he's rhyming every bar with every bar and so many different types of rhymes within a whole verse. Other artists like Lupe have very dense and hard to peel back metaphors that add a lot of dimensionality and a lot of layers to their bars. We can list them over and over and over again just to understand the meaning behind what he's saying, just not in the song, but also in the grander context of the whole album. So to me, that uniqueness where you're taking it and you're just doing something even crazier with it, that is oftentimes really unprecedented or just classic in a way, is what Logic doesn't really do on a consistent enough basis to reach those levels of the creates. He has his one-off songs, he has some personal songs, he has some story songs, but it's just not at the same level as those great generational artists. Now let's talk a little bit about his production. He not only samples rap artists in his productions, but also other artists like folk artists, older 90s, 80s, even 70s R&B soul artists, a lot of diversity in his sampling, especially in his mixtape days, which we'll get to in his album breakdown. His singing can be kind of hit or miss, I'd say. It does get better noticeably over time. Uh, he does sing kind of from early on, from his early mixtape days. And he gets more comfortable going on. Um, and I feel like it does get better on everybody. But again, when you listen to albums like Supermarket, it can be very, very hit or miss. He has to have really the right delivery, the right beat, the right cadence, just to all make it work. And he's not all of those are usually checked off when he's singing. So again, the key theme here is a lot of variety, not just in his flow, in his lyricism, in his topic choice, in his production, but just, you know, who is overall. There's a lot of variety. Now, variety can be a double-edged sword. Because a lot of variety is good, which means you can be versatile, do a lot of different things. 
be very interesting as an artist because you don't have to stay in one particular sound or one particular lane. However, you can also lose that uniqueness if you're just taking too much from all these different other artists without having your own unique presence to add to the mix. This is where other artists like Kendrick and Drake stand out, where they do have their influences in the beginning, right? Kendrick is very influenced by artists like Eminem. Drake is influenced by artists like Lil Wayne. You hear it in their voice, but they grow into their own type of artists that leave their own unique imprint. And for Logic, that trajectory took a lot longer than some might argue it should have. Maybe it should have taken a lot sooner. Now, what's funny is that on his mixtape days was when maybe he sounded the most like himself. It was very, a little bit of everything here and there. He just kind of felt like a student of the game, um, always really paying homage to the greats and as well as the contemporary greats um, in his sampling and in his bars and in his flows and in his deliveries. However, he still had moments where he did sound like a Kendrick or came across as a Drake or felt like a Cole in his songs. And he never shed that skin until much later, even in No Pressure. There were still some moments where it felt Kanye-esque or on The Incredible Juice Story where it felt Kendrick-esque or Drake-esque. Same thing with Under Pressure. I felt like he never fully developed a sound cohesively for an entire album. But there are moments where it just gets a lot, lot better. And there are songs where he just comes to his own and you hear this song and you're like, this is a Logic song. No other artist would make this kind of song, but it's a Logic song. Sometimes it's really bad when we look at Supermarket, when we look at Confessions. These are all really bad examples of Logic songs. But if you look at things like In Under Pressure, In The Credible Story, In No Pressure, while there are a few examples of songs where he comes across as a Kendrick or a Drake. He does also have his songs where he comes across as Logic. And he does develop this uniqueness, but is never fully realized like other artists and other greats. Again, such as a Kendrick, such as a Drake, such as a, you know, Cole, a Nas, an MF Doom, a Lupe. They all have their own uniqueness and a uniqueness that can last an entire album. So one more thing before we start looking at his albums, I want to talk about how I rank um, albums personally. So if we have anything from one to four means that there's more bad than good. If there's a five, I'm completely indifferent about it. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I'm just whatever about it. Six to seven means it's more bad than good. Or sorry, more good than bad, but most likely I won't really revisit it. Eight or nine means it's really good. There's a very few stuff I don't like, and I'm going to re-listen to it a lot. And a 10 means I'm going to listen to this at least 20 times over. I love basically just everything about it. Now, we're going to start with number 14 which is Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Now, if I had to summarize this album in one word, it would be empty. There's just no soul, there's no heart, and it shows the, really the worst side of Logic. There's so many tracks where it feels like he's mocking his fans, and he's just, you know, it's just coming from a place of, like, hate um, and insecurity. It almost feels like he's combining 
this Bobby Tarantino vibes with topics of like mental health, but with the frankness and surface levelness of everybody. So basically, in other words, it combines the worst of a bunch of different things that he's already done in his career. There are some nice moments, but they're pretty spread out. Like some of the highlights for me were the title track, um, the second half of Show Love, and the song Lost in Translation. The features on this album are pretty meh. They just kind of break up the monotony of hearing Logic's voice over the same-ish beats. Special shout out to the Gucci feature. I thought his flow was super nice in the song Icy. Icy is one of those songs that I almost want to like because it's so much of a meme. So it has that going for it. The other thing I'm so confused about is that where are the confessions on this album? He's talking about Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. And you have the first track, which is the same name as the title. And it's all right. You know, I hear it. This is a good tone setter. You know, it's great flow, nice production. Doesn't really come across as corny. And then it completely derails from that title track. You know, it goes in a completely different direction of just bad, you know, motivational rap bad trap um and just nothing that really stands out until you get to like lost in translation and so really have the beginning song the end song that are nice all the way throughout and there are some songs that are nice that have some nice parts to it like you know show love is cool i like the production on out of sight the flowing part of my ego is nice i like the hooks on commando and the hooks on homicide um and also like the beat on cocaine but you know these are just small parts and the overall album doesn't really stand up at all you know so to me this is like a three and a half this is just this is just really really bad oh and also some tracks that you should avoid are wannabe clickbait don't be afraid to be different and bobby those are all just the worst of the worst just the opposite of the cream of the crop it's like the it's like the spoiled milk of the crop or whatever. I don't know. Moving on to number 13 is Supermarket. Logic's venture into alt-rock and his soundtrack accompanying his book. The main value this album has for me is that it could be seen as background music. I'm super indifferent about this album. And I think... Well, first of all, if you're an alt-rock fan, you can just take what I said about background music and throw it at the window. You know, there are some moments that I liked on this album, like the Injured to Bohemian Trapsody, Juto on Can I Kick It, I like the chorus in Supermarket, the Intro to Buy the Bridge, but there are some good amount of low moments, like Logic's singing on Can I Kick It, the beat on Time Machine, the entire song, Best Friend, and overall, the lyrics are just way too basic and bland to really be taken seriously. You know, when Logic raps, his flow, his rhyme scheme, his punchlines can make him sound cool, even when he's not really rapping about anything. And when you take those away, and you still kind of rap about the same things, maybe even to a lower degree um, of those things, you really get these supermarket lyrics that can't really stand up on their own. So... You know, if you don't really pay attention to any lyrics, you know, care what he's saying, then you'll find this album much more enjoyable. I guess I sort of respect the attempt to do something different, explore a new genre, you know, push yourself artistically. But I think this really kind of fell flat on his face. Um, it 
was really derivative again of so many other artists such as Mac DeMarco. Didn't really add anything new to the mix. It just kind of felt like, you know, the worst side of Logic's taking his influences and just copy pasting them into an album and then calling it into his own. Um, so didn't really, yeah, didn't really, didn't really do too well. Despite all that, to me, I actually give this a five because I'm completely indifferent about it. Um, I don't really want to go back to it, but if someone puts it on, I won't really be bothered. Compared to Confessions, like there's just some songs that are just egregiously stand out that take me out of the zone and are bad. Supermarket is just, you know, bland, just, you know, maybe quaint enough, um, especially with some Mac to Market production, some Six production that, you know, put it on the background, I won't really mind too much. Now, number 12, we have Logic, the mixtape, which he released as Psychological, his first ever mixtape. And what I like about this mixtape is that there's a good amount of variety, you know, you can still hear Logic, he's still kind of finding his range, he's still trying to find which samples work for him. And there are some interesting sample choices on here. He's got some Wale. He's got some Clocks by Coldplay. He's got some Kanye. Um, and, you know, he matches the samples, I guess, maybe well enough to show some promise for future mixtapes, which I think he delivers on once we get to those mixtapes. With the chorus, he usually allocates that to the sample. Um, the chorus stuff isn't really strong just yet. But again, this is his first mixtape. He develops that over time as he becomes a better songwriter. Also in this mixtape, there's a lot of vocal effects on his rapping, probably because it was rougher, a bit more unrefined, maybe didn't feel comfortable um, using his own voice. So there's a bit of an effect to it. He still has that same pattern of, you know, that deep hip hop cut, a personal cut, you know, celebration record, a record about a girl and some other stuff. So he keeps a topic variety, even on the first mixtape. Some highlights on the album for me were Logic on the Beat, 95 Tip, Rap Man, and Street Dreams, which was his first, uh, I think, only really story song until Street Dreams 2 on Young Sinatra 4. So overall, I give this a 6 out of 10. You know, some good stuff here. Bad stuff wasn't really too bad. And thought it was a good start to his discography. Moving on to number 11, we have Bobby Tarantino 1. And this is really just a fun album, which was just Logic doing trap, but still sounding more like Logic. Um, it was short, it was sweet, 30 minutes of runtime. Not really any bad songs here. Um, just overall, pretty decent in general. Some highlights for me were 44 bars, Slave and Deeper Than Money. And overall, give this like a six and a half. It's not bad at all, but it doesn't really hold up to some of the other stuff that come in his discography. Number 10, we have Young Sinatra 4. And I think Young Sinatra 4 is the weakest of the Young Sinatra series. For reasons I'll explain in a little bit. Um, first, just a summary of the album. It was pretty consistent. Thought it had a few bad pockets, a few nice pockets. Thank you 
I thought was not a great opener. It really feels like a conclusion song. He did a similar thing on his track worldwide from Young Sinatra 2. So it just feels like a really weird opener. It really should have started with Everybody Dies. Just hearing those chords and going straight in to the track would be such a great tone setter for the entire album. I thought the production was pretty pleasant overall. Some nice boom bap, but the beats don't have that personality or punch that kind of the other beats in the Young Sinatra trilogy have. The main exceptions to that were the beat Wu-Tang, beat on Wu-Tang Forever and the beat on 100 Mile and Running. The Wu-Tang Forever beat is just so aggressive. It's so Wu-Tang. It just fits and captures that Wu-Tang aesthetic so well. And in 100 Miles and Running, I really like how the beat gets really jazzy and fun and eccentric the more and more and more they start to rap faster. I'm not really crazy about the fast rap, but I really like that tandem and that tango between the rapping and the beat. They really merge well together on that song. And the Wale feature was great. I thought he did excellent on that song. The pop rap on this album is just flat out bad. Um, I do not like Ryan Tedder's voice on one day. It makes me want to die. It's just so annoyingly inspirational. And the beat is just bad. I do not like that beat at all. Getting through the album, it's kind of a journey because the longs, well, the longs, <laughs> the songs are very long. And the intro and the outro song don't really do well to, you know, start and end the track. The outro song does a decent job, but the last call, it's a nice ending song, even though it's kind of, you know, a bit derivative of Kanye's last call. But he does kind of put his own twist on it, which is kind of cool. Some highlights on the album for me were Wu-Tang Forever, 100 Miles and Running, Young Sinatra 4, Everybody Dies, and Street Dreams 2. And I give this a 6.5 out of 10. I put it over Bob and Tarantino 1 because I feel like it's a bit more fleshed out compared to that mixtape. Now, to number 9... We have Young Sinatra 2, or Young Sinatra Undeniable. Now, overall, I thought this was decent, but to me, it did not feel as good as Young Sinatra 1, which is obviously higher up on this list. The first leg is okay of the album. feels a little dry. I think it picks up much more once we get to We Get High. One thing to note is that the singing on this album is a lot better like, listen to the track, What You Want. Logic really improves his singing voice from Young Sinatra 1 to one Sinatra, Young Sinatra 2. He does also get a little bit more personal on this album. I really felt that connection to him on Dear God. You know, his bars about his mom strangling him as a kid, wondering where God was to save him, really caused him to reflect on his life and, you know, share that scary and intimate experience with his fans and with his audience at the time as a young artist. And you can really hear the pain in his voice, the confusion, just the angry, angriness. Is that a word? Angriness? I think it's a word. Just how angry he was at his mom, at the world, and really how sad he felt. And Logic did a great job of projecting that emotion and really being authentic on that song. 
in terms of his flow and his lyrics, they felt pretty much the same compared to the first Young Sinatra. His production also felt the same. And he did have some cool samples on here. He sampled Time by Hans Zimmer on the intro track. Um, he sampled Charlie Chaplin from The Great Dictator. Lord Knows by Drake. Um, Zeal's theme from the game Chrono Trigger. Sampled some Boondocks, some Biggie, some more Drake, Kanye, Jay-Z. Thinking About You by Frank Ocean, some Anita Baker. So a lot of interesting and varied samples on here. You'll see Logic in a lot of his early mixtapes really have a wide variety of sampling that he rides on other people's beats. He combines them. Um, and a few times he combines a few different samples to make something really, really cool. Some highlights on this album were We Get High, Young Sinatra 3, All Sinatra Everything, Dear Presidents, Dear God, and Relaxation. And I forgot to mention that uh, Outcast sample, sample Relaxation, on the song Relaxation. A super popular sample too. J. Cole used the same one on Forbidden Fruit. And I give this a six and a half. Again, uh, I thought this was better than Young Sinatra 4 because it's not really any bad pockets. And the beats did feel a bit more punchy, felt a bit more authentic than Young Sinatra 4, which felt a bit too bland, boom bap. They didn't really have that solar personality that the first three Young Sinatra series had, in my opinion. Now, moving on to number seven, we have Young, Broke, and Infamous, his first mixtape as Logic. And I thought this was a decent intro mixtape. His deeper rap cuts were more fleshed out than his singing and his pop rap cuts. But he showed a lot of potential, a lot of hunger. There's a lot of classic beats on this album. Um, you know, he's sampling stuff, Pretty Girls by Wale, Overnight Scenario by Rare Essence, Atlians by Outkast, Can't Tell Me Nothing by Kanye, Life's a Bitch by Nas. And he actually even produced one beat on the song, which isn't really due until much later in his music career. But he produced the final song on this album called Back and Forth, which was super dope. And that's the only song with a feature that features C.Dot Castro, who now goes as Shy Gray. And this is back when they were friends. They kind of had a falling out uh, between before Logic's first album and after Logic's mixtape welcome to forever so between welcome to forever and under pressure they had a falling out which i'm not really sure the reason for what but they're uh they're not cool anymore but c dot castro kills this feature his flow is nice bars are nice just classic braggadocio with the delivery the confidence the punchlines, the rhyme scheme everything is there on this feature his flow is pretty nice overall, but he didn't really change up his vocal inflection on each song. They're kind of about the same. They're all pretty good, but they're good in like a standard way. He does sound very much like himself on this project. He sounds like a young Logic. There are a few bars where it sounds like Kanye, but I think he's just paying homage, throwing some interpolation on it. Overall, he sounds a lot like Logic. He does use the like rhyme, maybe a bit too much for my liking, which I think he does kind of all throughout his career. So maybe I just notice it more because I'm paying more attention to it now. Maybe more artists do it. But to me, Lycrime is a bit too standout-ish. Some highlights for me were Ask Him, 
Worthy. I thought Worthy was nice. I just feel like it was a bit too short. Wordplay was cool. Wordplay also had the Billie Jean sample. Scene of the game. Nothing but a hero. Young Sinatra. Give it to me. Growing pains. Scenario. Backpack. Selling drugs. Yeah, a lot of highlights on this album. And the rest were just... They weren't really bad. They were just kind of meh. Um, one low light, though, for me was Love Jones. Uh, Love Jones is a pretty weak song. The chorus is pretty weak. But overall, those are really the two negatives on that album. Pretty decent mixtape. And I give it a 7 out of 10. Moving on to number 7, we have Everybody which is definitely his most polarizing album that he has ever released. And I think the reason why it's so polarizing is because there are some really great parts to this album and there are some really bad parts to this album. Let's start with what I really liked about this album. And what I thought was really good was just the production. The production of this album is immaculate. I thought it was fantastic on every single song. There was no misses. He has the hard trap songs. He's got the sparkling gospel songs, the aggressive boom bap, the sad pop. He really truly came into his own for the production. He's not really, I mean, he's sampling stuff, but it doesn't really feel derivative. It feels like this is a logic produced album. I thought his flows and deliveries were all on point. He's got a lot of catchy hooks and refrains. His singing voice got a lot better compared to his previous albums and mixtapes. And the project does feel very cohesive and put together despite all the varying production styles. I think Logic's flows and singing really stitches everything together. Now, from everything I just said, and if you've never heard everybody, you might be thinking, hey, maybe this isn't a bad album. And I don't think it's bad. But there are some definite things that hold it back. The first is just his topics and how he goes about addressing these topics on his album. He's talking about his biraciality, his mental health. He's talking about race, politics, you know, some social commentary, things like that. But he does it in such a surface level way that it really feels like he's just shouting these things at you. I feel like he can do it in a much more creative way than just shouting it at our face and at our ears. And I do get that, you know, making it more surface level makes it more accessible to a wider audience. But I think there's a way to spread a message in a more creative way than just shouting. And maybe I hold them to a higher standard than that. I don't know if I should, but maybe I do. And that's why I feel like he can do better than just shout lyrics and preach about what we should and shouldn't do on this album. And another note on the topics too is that the title is called Everybody, but it doesn't really feel like it's about everybody. It really just feels like Logic is getting stuff off his chest, um, especially about him being biracial. And I think that's fine. And, you know, I want to shout out an old dead end hip hop review that I heard a while back when this album came out is that if he focused on just making this album about being biracial and the unique struggles of being biracial while looking white, you could come up with a very, very creative album that does that because there's so few people that are in your shoes, you know, looks wise, and there are fewer people that have the platform that you do to spread that message. You know, other artists that are mixed, artists like Cole and Drake, who are half black, half white, but they look black, 
and it's a whole different perspective on them just from their outward appearance. So in that sense, it really feels like a missed opportunity that he could really dive deep into this unique part of him in a way that doesn't become a giant meme. I think one song that does a good job of how to avoid the surface level and the corniness is America, especially because he has all those features. He's got Black Thought, Chuck ID, Noah, not Chuck ID, Chuck D and No ID. And his bars on America are mostly uncorny with maybe one, one line or so. But I think with that resume of features, you know, Black Thought, No ID, Chuck D, those are people who are never seen as corny. And Logic has that persona on him. And that's why I think the song is great because he has those features that balance out all the, you know, potential corniness that America could have. The second thing that holds this album back are the skits and the stories. So he completely adapts the story by Andy Weir, and he had a short story called The Egg, where, you know, basically every single person has to be killed and born again in the lives of everyone else until they've lived everyone else's lives so they can see how everyone else feels. It's literally putting yourself in other people's shoes. But Logic basically just straight copies this into his album. He doesn't really change anything about it. You know, when I first heard this album, I was kind of a fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson as the voice of God. But now I'm just kind of like, dude, I don't really want to hear it at all. <laughs> um, the, yeah, the skits, the story, it all just breaks up the flow of the album so much. The flow of the album is much more enjoyable when you skip all these things especially all the talking parts, like on the talking parts of Take It Back, the talking parts of Anxiety. I get that he's sharing his message and his story about these really important things that happened to him, but it totally kills the replayability of this album. Really what carries this album in the end is just the production, the flows, the good songwriting structure, albeit the topics are not great, but the structure is really really well done and i give this album a seven and i'm i was kind of torn between a six and a half and a seven but i feel like it's really better than every other project that i previously mentioned because of his productions on flow because his songwriting is much better his singing is much better his flow and delivery is a lot better all the features are really really good your personal value on this album comes down to how much you care about what he's saying and, you know, if you like what he's saying, if you're cool with this message, then you will love this album. But for me, who I don't really care what he's saying and, you know, sometimes really pay attention to the lyrics at all, the less you pay attention to the lyrics, the more you will enjoy this album. And maybe that's why it's gone up for me in recent years. You know, it used to be a lot lower because I was really trying to dig into the lyrics and find out what was he trying to say? What's the message behind this? But now it's like, I don't really care. I just appreciate the nice flows, the immaculate production and all the things I said before. Moving on to number six, we have Bobby Tarantino two, the successor to Bobby Tarantino one. And I feel like this is a much more realized version of Bobby Tarantino compared to BT one. I thought it was a super consistent feel where he emerges trap and boom bap in a really fun and unique way. Um, 
only the song Wizard of Oz where it sounds way too derivative of Travis Scott and basically sounds like a worse Travis Scott song. I think that's pretty awful. Also, the song Every Day is god-awful. I despise that song. That might be in contention for, like, the worst song he's ever released, ever. If you had to pick one song to avoid in 2018, I would say Avoid Every Day by Logic, produced by Marshmello. It's just annoying hook, annoying beat. It's a come-up pop EDM track that just feels so empty and bland compared to his other songs. Luckily, everything else in the album is a lot better. Um, some highlights for me were the beat switch on Midnight, the smooth flow in the Badu sample on Indica Badu, the mix of Boom Bap and Trap on Warm It Up, and Boom Trap Protocol. The song 44 More is great. It's a great ending. has a lot of mix-up. It's essentially just four different beats, and Logic is rapping every rapping differently in every single beat with a different flow, different type of aggression, and it almost feels like every single beat switch is like a beat drop. It's like the EDM equivalent, or sorry, the rap equivalent of an EDM beat drop because he just goes in on every single beat switch. And also, interestingly, on this album, we have his first quasi-diss song, which is in Yuck. And we have a strong reason to believe that it's aimed at Joyner Lucas, even though he never really mentions his name. But... They had some beef over the song Sriracha because both Logic and Jonah Lucas featured on Tech Nine's song Sriracha, but they had some beef over that, which I'm not really getting into, but if you're interested, just look it up. And long story short, they squashed that beef and they had a song together. I think it was called Isis. So they cool now. Um, Logic doesn't really beef with a lot of people and... You know, Yuck is really... He said it was kind of this general beef track, just aimed at everybody. But he had, you know, that voice message to Elton John, which is something that uh, I think Joyner... Something to do with Joyner Lucas. So I don't know all the deets, but if you're interested, just look that up on Genius. Look it up on YouTube. There's a lot of videos on that. Overall, I give this a 7. And it's over everybody because it's just much more enjoyable to listen to throughout. There's no skits. There's no awkward breakups or flows. He's not really trying to do more than he can do. Like, he's just having fun with good raps, good beats, nice flows. Again, the production isn't as a standout. You know, maybe the songwriting isn't as fleshed out, but it's so much more enjoyable. And I'd much rather listen to Bobby Tarantino, too, than have to kind of trudge through everybody and its skits. Now we're at number five. This is where we kind of get to the really really good stuff you know the first you know six through nine they're okay below that we're not super great but the top five is where it gets really really good and number five i have the first young sinatra now young sinatra is great because it shows so much growth that he had from young broke and infamous he has so much more maturity in his rapping and production and this album just feels so cohesive he does a great job at crafting this classy, unique Frank Sinatra Rat Pack vibe that blends boom bap and pop rap and some somber cuts into this logic feel, this classy, unique mixtape logic feel. It's full-blown on this album. The song All I Do is stand out. That song All I Do is a song that put logic on the map, especially with the music video. You see him you know, rapping in, I think, the University of Maryland College 
with that random green dude on the truck. It's like great, great throwback video for me and just a great song in general. I think the first 75% of this album is amazing. It's so good. There's no song that is bad. Every single song in the first 75 is really good. I'd say the last leg of maybe the four to five songs are not really as strong, but they're not that bad. You know, they're just okay. They're decent. They're not great. Like the first part of this album or mixtape. Sorry. He also does a lot more with his flow and his delivery on this album. His voice has matured a lot more since his first two mixtapes. His delivery is sharper. It's punchier. It's more confident. There's a lot of bars about, you know, his skill as a rapper. He's going to get your girl with the bars. You know, the usual rapper stuff, but he makes it sound so cool with his cool cat flow. He does explore some topics on his past, such as in the song Prime. He does touch on his race. Actually, the only time on that album on his song Mixed Feelings. He has a great delivery on the song Let Me Go. It sounds so pained. And then he has so much confidence and really cutthroatness on the song Stewie Griffin. Great come up song in Growing Pains. He's got this great acapella park, acapella part that's just so hungry and it shows that he wants to come up and be the best in this game. Now the production on this album is a lot of heavily heavy samples because it's really early on in his career, but he does a pretty dope job of rapping over these samples. He's really good at picking samples that suit his style and the type of song he wants to make. And what's awesome is that he takes all these samples from so many different genres, but he manages to, he manages to stitch them together to create his young Sinatra vibe. And a special shout out to the production on the song Addiction, which is completely top-notch. Uh, one of the best produced songs in his mixtapes that he's ever made. Some of the samples he uses on this album was It's a Very Good Year by Frank Sinatra, Window Seep Erica Badu, Mr. Rager by Kid Cudi, Tom's Diner by Suzanne Vega, who's a 80 to 90s folk singer, uh, the song Outro from Drake by Drake. I think it's from So Far Gone, I want to say. Uh, he's got some Family Guy skits, especially on the song Stewie Griffin, some Nas, some James Brown, Song Funky President, Exhibit A by Jay Electronica, Dead Presidents by Jay-Z, Outcast, Just Another Day by Queen Latifah, and the song Titan Fliver by the Boom Clap Bachelors, which were the same. It was the same sample that Kendrick used on the song Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe a year later after this album. So some really, really varied and interesting sample choice that, again, he stitches together to create his unique Young Sinatra vibe. Now, some highlights on this song or on this album to me, a lot of the songs are highlights, but when we're talking about the highlights of the highlights, we got Addiction, All I Do, 30,000, Shine On, and Are You Ready, featuring Phil Ade. And also, speaking of the features, they're not super well-known, but they all do a pretty good job. They all create that really classy Logic vibe, and they really enhance it. And I give this album or mixtape an 8 out of 10. This is a really, really great mixtape and I highly recommend it but we still have four more to go through and the number four spot to me is Young Sinatra Welcome to Forever his last mixtape of his quote-unquote mixtape days the third installment of the Young Sinatra series 
And this is really Logic's graduation. This is his celebration album. You can hear it in so many of of his songs. He's ready to tackle the world. He's graduated from the underground, and he's ready to take that next step in his career. And especially just on the first song, Welcome to Forever, he's talking about how he met Nas, and Nas was quoting his lines, and you really just feel like he made it, you know? Like, he's met Nas, one of the goats of hip-hop and a lyricism god and a flow god, and he's quoting Logic's lines, he's quoting your lines. You feel like you made it, you know? so celebratory and moving on the album we have a really interesting mix of features and production this is the first mixtape where logic doesn't really use that many other features he gets a lot of more a lot more produced tracks from artists such as like c sick swift d kevin randolph obviously some stuff from six and even one track produced by no id man of the year He's using his voice in a lot more different ways. It's way more deep and cutthroat on Break It Down, more cutthroat than a lot of his other stuff in his previous mixtapes. His hooks are a lot better. They're a lot catchier. He doesn't really rely on samples to deliver that hook as he did on his older mixtapes. His voice is confident and celebratory while still remaining hungry. And he's talking about a lot of different themes of just, you know, making it, celebration, some memories of early childhood and the come up and just some classic classic rap i want to mention some of the features here too because they really stand out and i think they all hit you have janae Iko, kid inc trinidad james kid inc trinidad james on the same song him and dizzy riding young jedi him and castro on ballin and him and elijah blake and elijah blake if you don't know is a songwriter who's written for people like Rick Ross, Rihanna, Nas, Usher, Vince Staples, and some more people. And also, by far the best feature, the GOAT, John Pops Witherspoon. You might know him as playing Ice Cube's dad on Friday. He comes on one of the skits, and he just kills it. Such a such a funny feature. My main gripe with the album is really just the last four songs. They all really felt like ending songs. And me personally, I would have skipped out on the song The End and just ended on Man of the Year. That would have been such a high note to end the song, especially given that's one of his most popular songs in all of his mixtapes. Some highlights on this album for me were 5AM, which had this insane line where he says, Arepartanus, the side of the word because it's a bonics, reverse the letters and it spells Sinatra, which is a dope reference to the StarCraft character Artanis. And when you flip the letters, it actually spells Sinatra. And it's just like these, such a particular and random reference to throw in there. But when you hear it and you decipher it, you're like, wow, that is insane. So iconic line, iconic line on 5am. Also the song Walk On By, On The Low, Ballin, which is an amazing hype song, Young Jedi, and probably my favorite song, Common Logic, Midnight Marauder. And... Common Logic, the first half is just him spitting a fire verse over this kind of offbeat, kind of off-sounding guitar sample. And after he gets that, he switches to Midnight Marauder, which is his kind of this outro song and his goodbye to the underground. You know, he spits a verse and then he repeats the chorus. 
and he repeats the chorus over and over and over again, kind of like this mantra to him and his fans about they're going to be the next wave. And he knows that he's from the underground. He's not going to forget who he is going to that mainstream. And it felt so authentic and real. And he even produced the beat of Midnight Broader. He's a line. He said, I produced the beat just so you guys can feel this. So everything just feels like it's coming from him. So overall, great mixtape. Um, probably his best, best mixtape in the eyes of a lot of people. I think personally, I do prefer Young Sinatra 1. But a bit more objectively, I think this is better produced, just better song structure, better flows, just better everything overall. So much more mature and well-refined compared to the first installment of the Young Sinatra series. Now, number three, it may take, maybe if some people by surprise, but for me, number three is Under Pressure. This used to be my favorite Logic album for a very, very long time, until pretty recently. Um, but Under Pressure is his debut album that is just so consistent throughout. It has a really consistent feel, production, vibe, aesthetic. It's so unique to Logic. It has this like somber and soulful tone it's kind of a quieter album and he's really focusing exclusively on his past and his come up and really the dichotomy between logic as a person and bobby as a person which he explores into great depths in the song buried alive and he's saying you know who's really going to know bobby whenever knows is logic and he really strengthens that that dichotomy on the song under pressure where the first half where in the first half, he's rapping as Logic. And in the second half, it feels like he's rapping from Bobby. And Under Pressure is contender to be maybe the best song that he's ever made. Ever. Still got to see how No Pressure sits. But with the second half of Under Pressure... Actually, originally, it was only going to be the second half. He wasn't even going to put that first verse in. And then he decided to put it in. And... As he explained it, it's a bit of his Bohemian Rhapsody of his album. And in that second half, he's talking from this from the perspective of his sister, his dad, and then himself through all these voicemails. And also his brother. And you hear the brother on his voicemails too. And they're all trying to reach him, all trying to get to him. And he's really missing all these aspects of his responsibilities as Bobby, you know, as a member of his family by just focusing on the studio really just trying to perfect his craft perfect his rhyme and trying to be the best MC. And because he's trying to be so great as logic it's causing him to lose some aspects of him that are bobby and he's really trying to maintain these two things together which is why he's feeling that pressure he's under pressure as both logic and under pressure as bobby and under pressure is a reason why it's the titular track of the album is because that song encap encapsulates the entire theme of his fight between Logic and Bobby. And you hear there are more songs that are more Bobby sounding, you know, songs I think like Buried Alive, um, you know, maybe Never Enough, but other songs and also songs like Gang Related where he in the first track he raps from his perspective and then the second track he raps from his brother's perspective, the song Growing Pains. There are also other songs like bounce which is just a fun kind of come up song but that feels more of maybe like a fun logic song 
And another thing I forgot to mention is on the track Buried Alive is that he kind of has these, you know, high pitched, low pitched kind of voices that really feels like this devil angel voice telling him what to do and what he shouldn't do. And those are some kind of recurring themes on the album where these devil voices, these temptations come up several times, tempting him to do different things that he maybe doesn't really want to do. So it's this really cool, you know, vocal motif that comes up a lot in the album. The one song I'm not crazy about is Nikki. I know, I think it's actually a fan favorite for a lot of people. And I think he actually does a good job of doing the whole girl to drug comparison justice, especially something like nicotine. He does it in a really unique and creative way. And he also mentions Nikki a few times throughout the album leading up to it. But I just am not, I don't know. It just doesn't hit with me. So overall, I give this album an 8. It is fantastic. It's short. It's to the point. Only 12 tracks. Special shout out to the bonus tracks too. Driving Miss Daisy featuring Gambino. Now, All Right featuring Big Sean. They're all really, really fire deluxe tracks. And they make the deluxe version of the album equally comparable to the normal version of the album. I also forgot to mention the highlights for Under Pressure. My highlights for this album is basically everything. But if I had to mention the highlights of the highlights, I'd recommend you check out Soul Food, Gang Related, Buried Alive, Growing Pains 3, Metropolis, Under Pressure, and Till the End. I know I mentioned just like half the track list, but to be honest, those are so good. I recommend you just check out the entire album. Moving on to number two, I have The Incredible True Story. And there's kind of two main reasons I put this over Under Pressure. I think the first is there's an obvious step up in production while still feeling very logic-y. He's really, this is the album where he's really coming into his own in terms of what he wants his production style and sound to be like. He has such a unique little drum pattern, really interesting samples, well-placed features that round out the whole sonic vibes on this project. I think he's taking a step forward in his songwriting. He is just having a lot more fun in general. You can see his range on songs like, you know, City of Stars, I'm the Greatest, Stainless, Run It. And I think an important footnote, too, to mention is his singing on the song City of Stars that is pretty much kind of just a cover of Kanye's 808 and Heartbreaks kind of style. But I really like it. It really grew on me. I think, although it's kind of, uh, it's super derivative, but I think he does it justice and I like his singing on it. And it's a bit of like his breakup with hip hop in a way where he's seeing all these great things, but also these terrible things. And it's almost like this toxic relationship. And after that part, he delivers a super, super hard and impassioned verse that he just kind of goes in on, you know, venting stuff out or whatever's on his mind. My one criticism of this album is just these skits. I feel like they're just not really well done. <laughs> they're they're just pretty, pretty bad. What is cool, though, is he does have Steve Blum, one of the voice, and if you don't know who Steve Blum is, he voices um, the main character in Cowboy Bebop, 
in the American adaptation. So that was really, really cool. But overall, just not super well written. They're just kind of boring. I thought the story behind it was super cool. How this is an album that is set in space and you have the the end of humanity pretty much just on this giant space station called Babel. And you follow the two characters on the story, how they're trying to find this planet and they're listening to logic on the way and they're having some skits in the background. Like that idea is cool. I just thought the skits itself weren't super great. But luckily, you can really just skip all of them. And even if you don't really skip all of them, they don't really break up the flow of the album that much. It's just kind of a minor little intermission. Now, speaking of intermission, that is one of my highlights on the album. Some other highlights include Contact. I love the drums that come in. They're just giant booming drums. The percussion on this album is fantastic. The song Upgrade. Uh, like Whoa, great, great flute sample. He just spitting so hard. Um, intermission that I just mentioned featuring Lucy Rose. Um, I love City of Stars. Run It is great. And probably my favorite song is the title track, The Incredible Two Story, with, again, some amazing production, these really, really epic, you know, little synth guitar riffs that come along, and his flow and rapping are just completely on a different level. He's really coming into his own, and he's just shining on that song. And it ends with a really nice and passionate speech by, by Alan Watts, talking about how you should pursue your passions and your dreams and rather than just doing things for the money. And when you pursue your passion, the dreams, the money will come along. And it's just a nice little motivational speech that summarizes some big takeaways that he wants you to get from the album. Even though it's all fun, this is him celebrating because he pursued his dreams and because that he followed his passion and he put all the hard work in the money, famous success came second to that. So overall, look at this album an eight and a half. I think it is great, and I recommend that everyone check it out. Now moving to the number one spot on my list after what like 30, 40 minutes? It's been a long album breakdown. But the number one spot is no pressure. Let's just start with the intro. The intro song is fantastic. He gets Orson Welles to narrate it and he cuts his words up and he logic puts his own words into what Orson Welles is trying to say and then he just goes right into the no pressure bars which has the highest amount of confidence and hunger and just, you know, appetite him rapping that I've seen since, you know, under pressure honestly. It then goes straight into Hit My Line, which I'm not crazy about, but I love the guitar sample on that song. I'm not sure if it's a sample or if it's a production, but I love that guitar. That It just gives a nice little like driving down the road on a California sunny day, cruising down Highway 1 type of vibe. And just overall, the production of this album is fantastic. It's probably better than everybody. Um... And it's way more just realized. It almost combines like the immaculateness of everybody with that hip hop, somber, soulful style in Under Pressure to create this like hybrid album 
that's just so oh, the production just so god tier as my friend put it it's just really really well done he really went out of his way to get some awesome samples to clear a lot of cool samples and to make it just super varied and super interesting while maintaining that classic classy logic hip-hop feel my one critique of this album or i guess two critiques is there are a few songs that sound a bit too kanye kanye to me um like on him online a little bit well actually not him online as much uh more of like a celebration uh i heard him say a little bit too kanye for me but i think he still does it justice i feel like the verse by silas on celebration really helped with that he really came through on that verse i heard him say it's nice i liked it you know i know some people really like it i thought it was good it was a nice little penultimate song to the to the album and logic has a great mix of you know just kind of freestyle songs like kind of had that cypher feel on things like open mic um he has these really smooth songs like on the song man i is which is my favorite song in the album i think the beat is amazing on that song the song dark place is really cool just because it shows finally logic and his most authentic self and when you come from i think between i'd say maybe bobby tarantino and no pressure so i'd say maybe young sinatra four confessions supermarket that era of logic it just never felt as authentic it just felt like he was really pandering and responding to people based on what he thought they want and i feel like no pressure is where he threw that all out the window and did exactly what he wanted to do and dark place is so much better than a song like confessions of a dangerous mind because he talks about the effects that fame has on him and he does it in a way that really feels and comes across really genuine and authentic because you know that he has struggled with, you know, depression, anxiety, you know, he stayed away from social media and that hiatus. So really that dip in how he feels comes in that song. And you know that he feels this way, you know, he's not pushing, he's not playing. It just comes, it doesn't come across as corny whatsoever. It just feels so, um, it feels so real, you know, and that's a part of logic that was, I think missing for quite some time. And when it was real on tracks like, you know, or sorry, on tracks, on albums like Everybody, it just felt really, it just felt so in your face and preachy. And No Pressure is really an awesome way for Laji to end his musical career that had kind of been, it's a really interesting roller coaster, honestly, because it kind of goes up and up and up and up and up from, you know, 2009 all the way to, you know, 2016 until everybody and then everybody is where it reaches new heights but it's like it's a mountain that he was never trying to climb like he wasn't trying to be famous but also polarized and hated you know and that 2017 was a huge landmark because it kind of polarized and confused his fans they didn't really lose him but once you get to i don't know more things like supermarket and confessions that's when i think it was really the lowest of the lows in terms of the music is producing in terms of not just how the general music community felt about him, but how the fans felt about him, his own Rat Pack fans. No one really, really liked Confessions at all. 
So to end with no pressure, to end on such a high note that may be considered the best album that he's ever made is a great way to end this roller coaster on maybe a higher peak that he never thought he would reach. And maybe no one even expected him to reach. Even me, who's you know, who's been a Logic fan um, since he's the person who got me into hip-hop and a guy that I wanted to see win, I kind of really gave up. Um, I was kind of mixed after everybody. And then with Young Sinatra 4, with Confessions, with Supermarket, I had just kind of given up. I was like, you know, I think he's fallen off. I think it's over for him. I don't think he can make a great project. I was going into No Pressure with such low expectations. I was so scared that he was going to make a No Pressure just because fans wanted Under Pressure logic. And I'm really glad he didn't do that. I'm really glad he... You know, he did that to the extent where he combined it with something new to make something unique while having that old nostalgic feel to it. And I think No Pressure is finally Logic entering his own skin and being comfortable in it. He doesn't really talk about too many new things, but there's just this huge sense of authenticity, of comfort, of hunger that we really missed since his mixtape days. But he does it in a way with, you know, better writing, better rapping, better production, better structure. And it doesn't feel like he's preaching down our throats as a man on top of the world. It feels like a man who was on top of the world and was kind of beaten down and then kind of you know worked his way back up to where he is now. And because of that journey, because he went through both the ups and downs, you know what he's saying is real. You know what he's saying. He's not just saying, oh, you should be happy because I'm happy and I've never felt sad. Like, no, he's been happy, he's been sad, and he's come back up to become happy again. He's not overthinking bars. He's not, you know, again, shoving some ideology or preaching stuff down your throat. Everything is coming from his own personal life, and I think that's where a lot of rappers shine. You know, if you want to avoid being corny and you want to avoid coming across as preachy, you have to... You have to tell stuff from your own personal life and your own personal experiences because those are the things that make you unique as an artist. When you're just preaching general messages about, you know, be good in the world or, you know, don't do this, don't do that, you know, it just comes across as like almost a parent telling these kids how to feel and how not to feel. When you're telling these stories, right, and when you're telling personal deep stories, that have affected you in a way and you let the listeners come to the conclusion rather than giving them the conclusion, that's when your message becomes so much more powerful and so much more palpable. And to me right now, this is his best album. I'm giving this an eight and a half. We'll see how it lasts over time. It might go down. Um, and I think if you're, if you're not a Logic fan, you know, most of these albums I don't think will convert you. Um, I don't think No Pressure will have that staying power if you're not a fan. But if you are a fan, this is something you're going to put on and repeat a lot. It's something you're going to bump a lot. It's something you're going to treasure. And something that will you know make you to listen to his older stuff. And maybe you know re-listen to his journey through his career as an artist. So that is... The album breakdown for Logic and his intro and his musical journey. I think to conclude, what I'll say about Logic is that he's 
kind of this litmus test for me for rappers. I think he's got great flow. Again, he's good lyricist. He can do a lot of different variety in what he talks about. He can sing pretty decently well, even though sometimes it can be hit or miss. But if you are a better rapper than Logic, then I know you're a fantastic rapper. So he's kind of that entry-level way where he's he's good, but he's not like a great one of the greats. You know, he's not, as we mentioned before, that level of, you know, storytelling like a Kendrick or that iconic level like a Nas or that dense level like a Lupe. But again, he's that notch below. He's that litmus test of if you're an up-and-coming rapper and you can do better than Logic, then you're going to be a great rapper, right? And if you're below, then you'll be an okay rapper. He's that gatekeeper into the greats. And as a rapper, he does hold a special place in my heart because when I was getting into rap, he was the first guy that I really, really checked out and I really liked. And he's a guy I always wanted to see win. And when that didn't happen, it was tough. So to end on a great note, like no pressure, and to revisit his discography and hear some of the good stuff that he's done is it's nice when you're a fan. And I try to make these lists kind of as unbiased as I possibly could. I try to look at the good and look at the bad, especially after taking a long break from listening to his music for the past two years or so. So coming into it with fresh ears. And I hope you guys enjoyed the album breakdown and you know, enjoyed the background and enjoyed the solo podcast. Next week's episode, we'll probably have just the usual cast. But I thought it'd be nice to switch it up. And I hope you learned um, a lot more about Logic, his past, his albums, and get a sense of you know who he is as an artist and as a person. If you like the podcast, make sure to give us a follow on Twitter or on Instagram at ryhat 19 You can follow me on Twitter at JazzyBlackSanta. Thank you again for listening to the podcast, and we'll catch you next week.